So good afternoon um, or good morning, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, welcome to Advisor Tech Unplugged. Um, I am Lou Wallace from Money Info. Um, have been here for six and a half years and I'm head of client services. And I'm delighted to welcome Matt Clark today from Old Mill Group. He is the operations director and I'll just ask Matt to introduce himself and say a little bit about um, his role. Good afternoon and thank you Lou for inviting me, inviting me on. Um, yeah, I'm Matt, the operations director here at Old Mill. Um, for the wealth management team. I've been with Old Mill for about well, just about nine and a half years now. Um, and sort of my role and responsibility is to make sure that we give our advisors and our clients the best service we possibly can. So I'm responsible for um, looking after all of our advisor tech, be it our back office system, stroke CRM, client portals and client experiences, um, and then all of our sort of processes that go around it, um, as well as heading up our, our support team. So way in which we're structured with our power planners, client managers and our clients associates um, my background before that was um i, I trained as, a, as an advisor so worked in power planning uh, for a few years and prior to that worked for uh, one of the big four so deloitte and also for legal in general in their life assurance um, and annuity business so quite a broad breadth of, of experience over the last about 15 years or so <laughs> which is why you find yourself in an operations role i, I suspect so yeah it's the part i enjoy it's the part i love really as much as anything um you know as much as i enjoy uh, helping our clients I just always had that hankering I think it comes from a family background my, my, my dad was an operations director previously I spent many an hour sitting in on board meetings and god who knows what else um, for a number of years and it's kind of in the blood my, my, my background from university is also in operations and it's the part of me that I, I think I can bring to the party and the bit I really enjoy so um, it was always a natural evolution to move into that sort of space rather than being client facing. And hence why you're here today. So we're here to talk about how, um, I suppose, in a, in a sense, how the advisor and client landscape is changing um, in, a, in a technical sense. Um, and, you know, lots of things happen, lots of things change, lots of new tech comes to the to the fore. Um, and I suppose we've got a few few bits we want to tackle today. But the first one would be how how Old Mill um, have tackled and do plan to tackle intergenerational um, kind of wealth planning um, in the in the current climate and and beyond, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, uh, well, you know, I, th I think for us, it's um, it's been a very fast changing landscape, I think, you know, amplified mm. by the impact of COVID sort of three, three and a half years ago. But even prior to that, I, I think, you know, the pace at which technology was moving forward and the way in which it could support the advice process and, and the deliveries to clients we're starting to gather pace um, and I think for us at Old Mill we the demographic of our clients is is more of a, the elder side of the, of the, of the population um, the types of clients that we look after do span into generations and, and we try and look after clients all the way through their planning journey so when they're accumulating their wealth all the way through decumulation and then into the next generation, um, specialising in sort of later life services and, and sort of the trust corporation side as well. So for us, it was really important to make sure that whatever we deliver to our clients, we, we look to make sure that it can span across the generations. And we're very keen to make sure that there is an opportunity along that planning journey for our clients to be able to bring the next generation along. You know, we actively encourage them to, um, you know, bring their sons, daughters, the beneficiaries of their wills to meetings at the appropriate time so that they can start to be part of that advice journey. Um, and that's a very simple, you know, step first and foremost, but we need then a way in which we can capture that information. Um, and, you know, that's where both our, our sort of investment into our CRM back office technology um, and the ability to be able to harness and store information flexibly, but then be able to deliver it back using 
for example, Money Info Portal, um, to give access to clients and also their beneficiaries at the appropriate time. Um, it enables us to be able to securely send messages, but also store a complete snapshot of their wealth, which could be incredibly useful. Um, and we're, we're latterly starting to, to make use of the sort of secure function whereby clients can store documents that may be really personal for them um, within the app, um, but may not be appropriate for us to have visibility over. So that that, that ability is really, really powerful, um, but means that there is one-stop shop for clients that they know that's secure, that they can pass over their details to the next generation and start to share that. We found that really important as well, where we've got later life cases or clients that have got lasting powers of attorney in place or, or could be deemed clients with, with vulnerabilities as well. So being able to provide access to the sort of financial affairs of the client through the app has been a really powerful way in which we can engage with clients and, and start that intergenerational planning. And is there is there an appetite for that from the from the clients or is it more driven by you as the, the planners and the advisors? I, I think it's probably a bit, a bit of both. I think occasionally you know, certainly get clients asking about, you know, the next generation and they're, they're looking to make gifts and, and the like to their to their family, but maybe not as actively as 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 we would maybe like. Um, and I think we probably take clients along that journey by reassuring them, you know, using Cash flow, first of all, you know, cash flow forecasting is really, really powerful in showing a client the snapshot of their wealth. And in most cases that they've got plenty to last them throughout their lifetime in all kinds of different scenarios um, and to meet their needs. And then and then once you've sort of demonstrated that, there's then the part which is the, okay, so I may have a big inheritance tax liability, or actually I really want to see my, my children have their first house or whatever the gift may be um, and we try and plan that through with their their sort of cash flow exercises that then gives them the confidence and peace of mind to be able to then start that journey um, and involve their beneficiaries at an, at an earlier stage which then in turn leads to us being able to offer you know the money info portal and we, we turn it the your wealth app um, to be able to sort of showcase that and, and bring it to life um, and, that, and that's been a real addition to us and a real benefit over the last couple of years. And that, that's great, isn't it? And we've worked together for a couple of years now through your kind of um, initial onboarding when you decided to take the portal. Um, and I know you had a, a controlled launch initially where you issued it to all staff to allow them to add their own um, investments, pensions, um, property, that kind of thing, which worked really, really well for you. And you've now gone beyond that and rolled out to a considerable kind of um, chunk of your 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 client base. Um, and how what took you to take was it the changing landscape that drove you to take the Money Info Portal or was it a, another kind of business objective that, that was in play there? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, there's no doubt about it. The landscape changing probably brought it right to the fore. Um, you know, we, we, we could say here and say, you know, just time was coincidental. It probably wasn't. But I think, you know, the reality was that we already had a client portal in place. Um, we're, we're an accountancy firm as well as a financial planning wealth management firm. Right. Um, and the portal we had in place for the wealth management side of the business was was actually one we shared with our accountancy colleagues. Um, and it, it was good from a document storage perspective, but it didn't give us that snapshot, the ability to share more data and more information and involve clients in that sort of planning process. Um, and so, we, you know, we, we, we've been looking at uh, portals for a number of years. And I think, you know, the landscape changing emphasize our needs to do that um you know digital signature was a key part as well for us you know so ability to add in docusign so that applications or any sort of authority could be signed effortlessly 
just made the whole process simpler, certainly in early COVID, but moreover, that whole process um, from start to finish. So for us, the, the the key areas were the secure document side of things, you know, data security is paramount for our clients and making sure that we can securely keep their key financial and personal information safe. Um, the intergeneration piece that we talked about, you know, a, a moment ago, but the ability to transact business and involve clients along that journey, communicating regular touch points, making sure that they're fully aware but even more, more recently, involving them through the workflow process, getting them to be able to sign documents quickly, easily, effortlessly, that can then be used with third parties, um, but also obtaining information at review meetings, making sure that actually the, the value that we can add to our clients is as maximised as it possibly can be when they're in front of their advisor. They shouldn't be spending huge amounts of time dealing with administration. Really, that should just be a given. Um, uh, and that's where having a portal and app is really powerful um, in that sort of regular touch point and that visibility as well as involving them in the key actions. You, that's interesting because <clears throat> so my next question was going to be about efficient efficiencies going through through the business and not mm -hmm. necessarily just in a in a kind of money info sense but you've touched on DocuSign there and I think anecdotally and we don't have any stats to, to, to kind of back this up at the moment, but we will have a, at some point is if a client is asked to sign something electronically, if they've got it on their on their phone, chances are they're just going to, to kind of deal with that on their phone and they can access the portal. They know it's secure because I know from the work you've done with your clients that you pitch it as a, you know, the security is really important to Old Mill as a, as a concept and to, to kind of look after their data. So if you were to send something in the post, yes, of course, you'd get it signed and it would be sent back to you. But that might take two to three weeks. Um, a client might be away. If you've got high net worth clients, they may spend a period of time not in the country. But that kind of makes no never mind if you've got an app and a portal because it can be oh. dealt with dealt with there and then. So aside from the kind of signing of documents and, and the workflow that you mentioned, have you seen any other efficiencies brought to the company either by money info or by any other kind of tech tech options that you make accessible to your clients? Yeah, I, I think it's a continued evolution um, within the technology landscape. So, you know, what? whenever we start to review any sort of technology item, it's always with the end client in mind. So mm -hmm. what, what is it that we are delivering that's going to add value to that client journey? Um, and for us, you know, that something for me and my, my sort of tenure within the operations space started with a bit of a review of our current systems and processes going through a British standard and, and, and trying to get that accreditation in place to make sure that we were consistent in what we did. And if you can start from a point of consistency, you'll gain efficiency off the back of it, which will then in turn lead to um, a greater client experience and strengthens the relationship. For us then, it was about making sure our data, our core data was as strong as it possibly could be. Um, before we were kind of in a happy place to be able to push that front and center through the app and, and you know probably take any data from any data source be it from a third party provider or our own back office you won't need to be careful and confident that what you're putting out in front of the client is accurate um, and represents a fair snapshot of what they've got so the big part for us was to bring in um a CRM system across our entire business. I said we are an accountancy practice as much as we are a wealth management specialist. And, you know, we, we wanted to bring in that CRM technology to make sure that we were able to have a joined up offering to clients to, to make sure that we were, you know, as efficient as we can be and, and make, make life as easy as we can in that, in that joined up offering. A replacement of our back office, um, 
And again, what we were keen to make sure with our back office was that it wasn't just a case that we're putting data in that was just being stored within that system. We were able to do something with it. So be it push it through the portal, through to um, being able to share it with our accountancy colleagues, use it within the CRM capacity, um, or actually some of the areas we're now trying to focus on, which is getting that data to the product providers. So, you know, ultimately we want to be able to make... Um, the client's journey as simple and quick as possible, ideally using the app and the portal as the key part of that process, whereby, you know, a client will have an application form to sign via DocuSign that can then push the data through to our back office and then also share it with um, product providers. Similarly, product providers sharing data back the other way so mm. that the portal becomes that one point of truth. Um, you know, one of the big challenges I think at the moment is there's too many mediums of communication for, for clients. You know, if you, if you take on a client, in most cases, you will have your own systems technology processes from the advisor side. So be it email, be it telephone, be it client portal. But then you've also got that of the third party provider and they will have all of the same mediums. And before you know it, you've got six, seven, eight, maybe <laughs> nine different touch points. Um, and what we're very keen to do is make sure that, that they, those touch points are minimized through us. We've got the relationship with the client. We want to make sure it's a snapshot of all of their financial affairs and that we make the advice process as simple as we possibly can. Um, and that was, you know, the kind of the, the end point of phase one, really bringing in the Your Wealth app was to be able to take our data from the center, to be able to share it efficiently, share it consistently with clients. And then start to involve them in the process, which, you know, you, you start to, you, you maybe don't have any statistics at the moment, but certainly from our perspective, we find that turning around application forms is significantly faster through DocuSign um, and through the app. So, you know, I think our record from sending a DocuSign out with our advice coming back to us and then a can account set up with a third party provider is 24 minutes. So wow. <laughs> it's 24 minutes. So that that shows the power that the technology can bring. Um, and okay, not all scenarios will go quite as effortlessly as that, but it does show that when you get, the, get all of the process in place, when you've got the right systems and technology, and the right education with the clients, the technology can be extremely powerful um, and flexible as well. And there's a couple of points there. You mentioned that um, uh, client experience is almost first and foremost in, in your mind when you're adopting any tech or introducing any new process. So how, how, do, you, how do you know what the clients want, I guess would, would be my question. It's multifaceted. I, th I think, you know, the, the, the key parts for us are getting feedback from our clients. So either directly through client surveys, um, which we run on a semi-regular basis, asking for feedback at, at review meetings through, through our planners, or indirectly they will just obtain feedback on something that's either good, bad, or indifferent. Um, and that obviously shapes the key focuses that we go through. But one of the key focuses for, for Old Mill is that we have a client advisory board, um, you know, a, a good number and cross-section of clients from, from different demographics, different stages in their journey with Old Mill. And to have their feedback is invaluable. So quite often we will take things to the client advisory board for review, for thought, for comment, and they will give us some invaluable feedback that we will then use to tweak, change, and think about how that is then delivered. Um, and in some cases, no, actually, that's not the right angle at all. Park it, go on to something else. And, and that, that's absolutely fine as well. So client feedback shapes everything that we do without our clients being on board with, with the process we put in place, it doesn't work. So we can have the nicest set of data, the best technology on paper, but if it doesn't deliver what the client is ultimately after, um, 
then we'll, we'll flog a dead horse here. So, um, yeah, no, it, it all starts with what does the client want, need, and how can we push those boundaries in order to make sure that we're compliant, efficient, the data secure, but we do it to the highest standard and as quickly as possible. And, and in terms of kind of your, because we find this with launching, you know, we, we implement many new clients all of the time, and sometimes um, there is a nervousness around all my clients might not like that or um i've got a client that that might not like to to log into an app how have you tackled that particular kind of challenge yeah i, th I think i think it's um the big one for us is the question we always ask the clients and, and work with them is you know do you have online banking do you do you currently converse in that way and if and if you do if you do use that that system technology and you understand it then really it's not that difficult to make the jump through to using our portal, using our app, sharing the data and technology um, in that space. But I think there's also the part of just education around the risks of not using that sort of technology. So, you know, the the post, the good old postal system mm -hmm. isn't invaluable. The amount of posts that went missing, we all saw before Christmas, the delays that were in place and the, the images of, you know, mail outside postal delivery services and being stuck there or worse still lost. Um, you know, and certainly we had some key documents and things that were lost in transit that were signed should have been signed for should have been delivered absolutely sort of guaranteed and they went missing in the ether we've had documents delivered to neighbors that shouldn't have been delivered to neighbors so you know, there, there is there are instances whereby actually that's just as insecure if not more insecure and then we get into the well can't you just send me an email type space <laughs> and, and the risks that we all know and i'm sure you've, you've covered many times before on on the risks of using email and it doesn't matter how much security we have on our systems our side and how secure our email servers are but in that delivery that transit you're pushing it back out and i think the key part for us is therefore education continued education to clients and you know talking through those different circumstances based on a sort of individual one-to-one -one basis um or via our advisors who we who we continue to educate on the data security pieces or in fact actually running a you know a, a client webinar seminar which i know you're you're, you're kindly joining me on um, in a couple of days time so that the education piece i think is really important and, and more often than not when you put the context around it share some hints and tips share some examples they usually buy in um, and recognize that it, it's it is of their benefit and that's exactly what we're trying to do with the portal it's for their benefit no one else's yeah absolutely and and it, you know i've got a um, i've got a mum um and she um phoned me a couple of weeks ago and said she'd had an email from she used to work at a law firm one of the partners at a law firm and she still alan days emailed me um about something and i said but he's never emailed you and you've been gone kind of 15 years she said yeah i know i thought it was a bit weird and i said so what did what did you do should i reply to him and i said you know mum i've talked to you about this lots of times <laughs> genuinely if it doesn't feel right don't respond mm -hmm. to it and it's not about it's not about scaring people. It's not about scaring your clients. It's just about making that message clear, isn't it? And you mentioned the webinar that I'm joining you joining you on um, on Thursday, I think, of this this week. Um, it's just to talk to clients about how important it is because you know cyber criminals have, have come a long way from the the classic kind of emails asking for your bank details to transfer lots of money to. It's much more sophisticated than that. So the secure communications is really important and is really simple you know a client can log in with their face their fingerprint you're right if they're doing banking using a portal shouldn't you know shouldn't be a a major kind of stumbling block um and what about your advisors how have they engaged with the with the app and the, and the tech yeah well in the main i think you know the 
like all advisors, you always have you have different different levels of technical ability within that space and comfort with with adopting to change so I, I think some of them um you know wanted to see it improve it and, and learn from others but what we found is that there's been a good number of our of our advisors who really have adopted it you know for a variety of reasons um data security being one the flexibility of process the speed the efficiency and what we found is actually it's all well and good you me others sharing that and saying please take this please you know get your clients onto here we think it's really beneficial actually hearing it from their peers and hearing the feedback from clients has been the most valuable part of this so sharing with best practice sharing with good success stories and sharing with people, did you know the app can do this or actually it could be really useful in this process or it sped up the entire process was really valuable for us um i, I always work on a sort of 80 20 rule uh, and mm. it, be it with advisors be it with clients be it with any process always start with that you know, you're not going to get 100% of uptake. We have to accept that, we have to realise that. But if we work on a process and we work on rolling out a system that works for 80% of our clients, 80% of everything that we try and do, then you're kind of onto a winner. Uh, and that's what we try to do with, with the rollout of the app. You know, we haven't set one draconian process that you have to follow from start to finish. There's flexibility um, in terms of how we set that client up, what access they have, how much data feeds through, um, who has visibility of it. And, and that's been really useful because we have some clients who really like to go into the app and see everything daily and want to make sure that we um, are feeding regular information to them through the portal. Others might just have a snapshot and we'll go in once a year. Others like to have all of their documents in and, and in, include all their bank feeds in there. We've, we have the flexibility to be able to allow for all of those things. And I think that's really important that the, you know, the advisors, the support team know that we are able to offer that. And it's not just a, here's the app, take it or leave it. And it's a continued re-education. So we're, we're up to probably about half our clients now that actually use it. And given our demographic, we're, we're quite happy at that sort of that sort of level. Yes, we'd like to get more and more as time goes on. Um, and all new clients should be going onto the app as well. But taking it slowly, re-emphasizing re the benefits and focusing on the core of what the the app brings to us is really important um uh, and that's what's led to the advisors adopting it you were you and i were at an event in bristol a couple of weeks back um and there was a there was another advisor there another money info user um, and we were talking about the money info manager app and i think several people in the room um weren't aware there was an app for advisors and operators um and james got a he got a ping on his apple iWatch and he had a message and he was able to, to respond to it. And it was kind of a little bit of a, a revolutionary moment for some of the people in there and everyone then grabbed their phones and they were like downloading the, the Money Info Manager app, which is which is great. And we've enhanced that recently. We're just waiting for a, a republish to the app store, which will allow an advisor to take a photograph of something and upload it to their client and log in with, with biometrics. So we're continually working on tech that not only supports you with your clients but also you with your your advisors and your you know your operational kind of processes where an advisor might need a evaluation or to read a report um that's been sent to a client that may mean logging into mim money info manager as opposed to navigating a, a kind of back office or crm and i know for you those two things might not be the same thing um and it might be useful if you just kind of give your give your view on that matt yeah, no, no, definitely. Uh, so, uh, you know, just to sort of, I guess, plug the MIM app, it is really useful and it is, it is a brilliant tool. Um, uh, and I think, you know, the flexibility of being able to access it anywhere, anytime via whatever device you've got is really powerful. Um, you know, we want our advisors out and help. We want them in front of the clients. We don't want them sat in front of the screen 
day in, day out. We want them adding value to our clients, but there are times whereby they just need that information and maybe they can't get it from their support team or they want it from the center or it's just as quick and easy for them to do it themselves. Having that app to do that or the ability to message, you know, send a quick message to the client that is secure, really, really powerful. Um, so yeah, no, definitely plug, plug that one. The, you know, for me, yes, CRM and back office um, are not one and the same. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've always been quite clear about that. We happen to take, um, you know, a back office that is also built on the ground of a CRM. Um, and that was done through a lot of considered effort as to what we're trying to do. And I don't think there's any problem with that. In fact, I'd encourage it. But in terms of what, what we see as a CRM, you know, it's very much around the core data that's used for the ability to have an opportunity pipeline in place, that prospecting lead type environment, the sharing of that information across the wider business and the MI that's then created off the back of it that in turn can be used for marketing lists, maintenance, et cetera. I, I kind of draw the line at that sort of space within, within the CRM functionality. And then I would, would say when once the, the prospect has become a full account, that's when the back office takes over. That's where you're getting the in-depth information, be it valuations, price feeds, um, you know, be it the soft facts that you would obtain from a fact find that then goes out to create the full client picture, um, be it in written format or through uh, you know, your wealth app and money info app there. So for me, they are two distinct areas. Um, but I think I talked at the start about this, this one point of the truth, you know, having one set of data is really important because if you've got a CRM system that is containing one set of data that may get out of date as soon as you've engaged with that client because your back office has taken over, you've got risk. Um, first and foremost, what data point is true? Um, it, it, you could end up sharing the wrong information with the wrong party that could cause delays, could cause operational embarrassment, all kinds of different things. Um, and it's just inefficient. You're keying data multiple, multiple times. So even if you've got separate CRMs, back offices, apps, third party systems, the ability to try and bring that data together, either through API technology or through amalgamating tools into one system or, you know, latterly using AI tech or um, data warehousing. All of those things, I think, are really good investments. And, and you know, we're, we're all hearing about, you know, the likes of ChatGPT and RPAs, mm -hmm. what's happening in the in the industry and space. And clearly it's going to have a place as to how far it will come in. Only time will tell. Uh, and I think we need to be cautious there. But, you know, there's definitely merit in trying to run your business as a data-driven business. The stronger the quality of your data, the more amalgamated it is, the better the quality the more efficiency you will then gain um, and therefore enhance your client experience. And I hear I heard recently that um the the quality of data now has a has an impact on the the, the value of, of a business. Mm -hmm. um, so for those businesses that are looking to be acquired or exit through through kind of you know lifestyle retirement or whatever it might be, actually it's we've moved on from the the value of the ongoing revenue and obviously that's still a huge factor and very important but actually the quality of data does score points and it does does allow for that value to be um, corroborated if, if you like absolutely and you know you've got to think if you're if your data is poor and stored all over the place then you're going to be running an inefficient service which in mm. turn probably means you don't you're not getting the most out of the value from your clients but two you're not offering the strongest service which means there could be a risk of losing that client in a process of acquisition or um you know merger or whatever the whatever the process you're going through but you know more more moreover it's it's a case that if you haven't got that that snapshot that one point of truth then 
you haven't got the ability to to be able to really go and offer that efficient service to clients um, and therefore you're more likely to be unprofitable or you might be overcharging that client in order to make your profit so mm. it, it, there's definitely um you know a big link i think between data processing efficiency cost of sale profit um, and therefore a value of, of that book of business i, c- I couldn't agree more and um, and I guess it's not it's an ongoing process, isn't it? You you know you get a tech stack that you're happy with, but how as a business, how do you ensure that's still relevant or correct, or where you go out to market to review what you know what else you might need or how you might change what you're using? Yeah, so I you know I think it's there's multifacets to that. I think the first one is is what we we talked about earlier, which is the it comes from the client. You know, the mm-hmm. feedback that we get from a client really does shape what is the most important parts that we focus on. Secondly, it's our team. You know, what what are the areas that our team are struggling with, be it systems, technology, process, most of all, that then inhibit the client experience. So, you know, we all run a, um, you know, sort of an all hands week, really, a planning week, as we call it, at least twice a year, where we take the guys off the floor for parts of the week and we just focus on different areas, different key subjects and and topics to be able to try and really glean that feedback, trying to really understand what are going to be our key focuses for that next quarter or next half a year. So I think that's the kind of looking at your current current client base and inward looking, but then there's the also the outward looking. So just being part of networks, you know, sharing best practice with peers, sharing that with other like firms that you think actually work very similarly to you is really, really valuable. And, you know, I can't, once again, another plug for your sort of, you know, user forums that you have, I think is, is extremely, extremely beneficial. You know, we, we all take something away from those. So, you know, it doesn't matter how involved you are with the app or not, but even more so, actually just wider technology usage. Um, you can glean an awful lot by, by sharing information. And we're all trying to enhance the industry that we work within. Yes, we're, you know, there's competition, but at the same time, there's plenty of clients to be going mm-hmm. around. And, you know, I think for me, it's all about upping the, the service we offer within our industry, which in turn will lead to better client outcomes, which will lead to more referrals, which will lead to a better service all around for everybody. So, you know, I think that's really important. And then the final one is, you know, just around actually we, we have a set process whereby we review our cash flow, our back office, our CRM, our portal, our platform at least once a year um, and using things like, you know, information from Landcat. 360 other service providers to, to help shape that industry reviews is really helpful and then just go and talk to those providers you know just go mm. through the process on a regular basis the likes yourselves are developing things all the time and it doesn't stay doesn't stay still for very long and even if it's not the right product for you in that moment continue to work with these providers continue to review on a regular basis and then there might just be that tipping point that's really important for you Thanks, Matt. And you, you, you kind of you're touching on some bits that are making me think in my head FCA consumer duty. But I think that's probably a, a podcast <laughs> for another day. Um, and look, that was that was really useful. Um, thank you so much for for kind of answering those questions and your contribution. Um, Matt won't mind me saying this, but he's happy if any of you listening want to um, be introduced and have a have a chat um, to him about Portal or, or wider tech or whatever it whatever it might be. Um, and I just take this opportunity, Matt, to thank you for um, for attending today and, and giving your contribution. It is really appreciated. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. And yeah, absolutely. If anybody got any questions or I can help at all, please do just drop me a line. Brilliant. And I'll see you on Thursday for your client seminar. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Lee. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye.